Before we start today, I'm going to go back a decade and a half in time. For those of us that can remember it, it's visceral. The GFC, or global financial crisis, was the most serious economic event since the Great Depression. Then came COVID-19, a once-in-a-century pandemic. Then, the largest European land war since the Second World War. Then, the greatest rise in inflation of the post-World War period. It's what some have termed the polycrisis. How do we understand what matters for people, for businesses, for brands, for media, for our future, and for good growth? Havas's Meaningful Brands Index has understood what makes brands matter and how meaningful media drives good growth for some 15 years. It's shown brands how to weather a period of unprecedented disruption and change. Meaningful brands have also outperformed the market over this tumultuous time. The Meaningful Brands study asks consumer citizens worldwide what matters to them and why. Because it's done so every year for 15 years, it gives brands a unique perspective. So, we find that in the last couple of years, consumers have moved from an age of cynicism to where we are today. Amidst what some have called the polycrisis, they expect brands to do more for them than ever. It's the me economy. The me economy is now. I'm lucky in this episode to be joined by Mark Sinek, our Global Chief Strategy Officer here at Havas, and Seema Patel, Global Managing Director for Intelligence at Havas Media Group. Mark, Seema, and their team are the masterminds behind this research. They join me today to discuss their findings, the future for meaningful brands, and how meaningful media drives growth. Mark, Seema, thanks for coming on the Meaningful Media Podcast. Hey, thanks, Ben. Good to meet you. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. It's great to have you both here. We're, we're so excited to dive in and explore this research with its two, its two lead authors. So I think we should start with a recap of why and when Meaningful Brands was launched and go into the research methodology for the study and for this latest study and ask you to tease out uh, a few of the key numbers there. So we're going to talk to Seema first and Seema's going to unpack a little of the research methodology for us. Seema, over to you. Yeah, sure. So um, Ben, you mentioned this um, a little bit already, but Havas was launched almost 15 years ago, which is really hard to believe. Um, it was launched in 2009. And we specifically um, started the Meaningful Brands journey to really understand you know, what makes brands meaningful and to specifically explore how brands can improve people's lives, functionally enhance their personal well-being, as well as how they contribute to the wider society. Um, and it was really important for us to be able to um, really connect brands with human well-being and be able to really identify how brands can um, meaningfully engage through customer, brand, and through media experiences. The research methodology is a um, it's a 40-minute online questionnaire, but the scale and breadth is very comprehensive. Um, it's, it's, you know, previous studies have covered over 30 markets, 20 industries, um, and over 2,000 brands, and, you know, really interviewed over almost 400,000 consumers. This current report with Me Economy covers 10 markets, across 42 industries um, and 1,300 brands. We interviewed over 91,000 citizens. Um, And what's really exciting about this year's Meaningful Brands report is that 
you know, as we look to continuously evolve the methodology of meaningful brands to continuously improve um, not only the participant experience, but also the quality of the meaningful brand product, we are excited to be partnering with our new global partner um, for the past two years, YouGov. Um, and this really gives us the access to a lot of their databases and their panelists that helps to better connect consumer um, and brand understanding. Um, and it also allows us to create really bespoke audiences to really understand consumers from multiple ways across all three of these pillars. So I think what's unique to the study is it gives us breadth, but it also gives us depth. It covers many markets. It's a very large panel, but it goes deep and covers many brands. Is it fair to say that it's quite unique in that regard? Yes, absolutely. And just the longitudinal view of, as you mentioned, we have been doing this for 15 years. So just that depth and breadth um, can really give us those nuances that we're looking for to really understand consumers across the globe at the level of granularity that's really unique to this type of study. Thanks, Seema. Mark, coming to you, we mentioned the age of cynicism and this concept of the me economy that you found in the research. Can you talk us through the change that you're seeing and why that's occurring? Sure. Um, I mean, the study over the course of the last, I'd say, three episodes of it uh, has been really fascinating to us. You know, we identified, I think, early in the last study, a real sense that people were becoming, I'd say, cynical toward the way that brands were merchandising and marketing their purpose. They were wearing it on their sleeve. They were advertising uh, their good deeds. And I think that consumers were starting to see through that, um, you know, they were living in a world where they're experiencing crises on a daily basis, whether that be personal, whether that be institutional, whether that be environmental. And they were hearing brands coming into their world, coming into their channels, coming into their lives and, and saying, hey, we're making the world a better place. We're sort of improving things. You know, we're here for good. And it just wasn't tallying for them. And so the report really last year really identified that. And that was quite a revelation for us. I think it really sort of really struck home that, that consumers were were not willing to sort of just, you know, be sort of pulled along in that in that sea of purpose, purposefulness, and, and really we're starting to scrutinize it. Now, in this study, in my view, what we see now is um, a greater degree of sophistication coming through from, from consumers and people out there. A, a sort of a, a divergence, if you like, between um, how people want businesses to behave um, and they want businesses to do the right things, to be transparent, to be ethical, to be a little bit, you know, maternal and paternal to sort of do the right things and be considered and conservative in the way that they they approach the world and, and the sorts of things that they and how they resource uh, their businesses. So they want businesses to take take things seriously, but they want brands. They want brands actually to entertain them. They want brands to sort of fulfill them. They want brands to allow them to escape. They want brands to sort of bring joy to their lives. So we've got this really interesting dichotomy where, in my view, you've got businesses needing to develop two sorts of purposes, uh, a business purpose, which is about you know driving the right sorts of ESG messaging, the right sorts of metrics, and the right sorts of regulation, uh, and doing that in the right way. And then you've got a brand purpose, which is about when you're in my world, you're in my channels, and I'm choosing to buy you, and I'm choosing to engage with you, and I'm watching you, and I'm listening to you, entertain me. 
Those two things, I think, from a sophisticated consumer perspective, can coexist. They don't need to be one thing. They can both exist at the same time. And businesses are going to need to get their heads around that. They're going to have to develop both of these sorts of purposes in order to fulfill what consumers, the more sophisticated consumers that we're talking to now want. That, for me, is really, really interesting. The purpose isn't one thing. It can be two. This is fascinating. And I think what the research does is that it solves a lot of this conundrum around purpose. We talk about purpose a lot in this industry. Sometimes purpose is unclear and it's used as a synonym for other things. But you set up so beautifully there this it isn't a dichotomy it's a to your point a divergence which is there's a there's a a brand purpose this bigger idea of purpose but part of a brand purpose is doing what they do well being respectful in channels and delivering a great experience for a consumer in the report there's a great sentence a very short one it says welcome to the me economy where purpose gets personal and it's one of the things that i keep coming back to uh, in this data so we're going to dive back into the data a little bit more in depth now Seema, I'm going to come to you and picking up from what Mark was saying and this change that we're seeing, consumers getting savvier, consumers getting more um, uh, intentional about what they want from from brands. We talked about personal, collective, functional benefits. Uh, Can you unpack some of that and how that's changing over time? Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, we've seen from a personal perspective, it's really been dialed up this year compared to the previous report, um, where collective really was kind of central focus. But I think one of the, the one of the bigger things that I saw, you know, just building on what Mark was saying from seeing that purpose from, you know, from the business purpose, as well as the brand purpose, is really um, the active role that consumers and people are taking within those two areas of purpose. So, you know, it's it's really about brands acknowledging and facilitating that active role to help to be more meaningful and to create more of those meaningful experiences. Um, for instance, we see that consumers are taking more of that active role and are drawn to, to brands that aren't just supporting the greater good, but also championing and facilitating them as individuals as they um, want to make a difference for others. We know that 60% of people um, want to be the change they see in the world. We know that three out of five people are prepared to make a sacrifice for the planet um, and take a stand on political issues. Um, And then also from a personal perspective, we know that people are looking to express themselves more as individuals. Um, You know, 74% of consumers do feel it's important for them to trust to express their true thoughts um, and opinions, as well as the active role that they're taking from an individual and personal perspective from their health and well-being and being the best versions of themselves. Just having brands have that active role in helping them to be making a real effort to help them be both physically and mentally healthy. Um, 71% of people do believe that brands have a role to play to improve and support them in this aspect of their lives. Thanks, Seema. I think one of the things that, that really spoke to me in the report was the in the recommendations doing good without the drama. So talking about transparency continuing to be a priority, um, especially around claims, but brands need to be really, really careful around that. Mark and Seema are nodding their heads. And I think this, we're all seeing what's happening in the US, some of the complexity and context around that. So Mark, can I ask you to dig into some of this with us, the recommendations for how brands grow in the economy, but also uh, how your work is guiding brands through this quite complex moment? Yeah, I think it's, uh, Seema's picked out a few really fascinating insights and data uh, data points that, that the studies are revealing. Um, you know, one of the things that I would say is that and I, again, this study is is allowing us to sort of explore explore this issue. 
we're seeing the transition or the transfer of cultural the, the cultural uh, forces into consumer mindsets really uh, is really visible in this study. Um, and what I mean by uh, by that is, you know, there's a, been a huge shift culturally around health and wellness and well-being, mental health, spiritual health. You know, normally those sorts of things would take a year or two to, to impact, you know, a report or a study. It would take a lot longer for people to start to sort of report back that they want to see brands and businesses behaving in that way. Again, respect, individuality. All of these points are being are lit up in the data. And I think that's fascinating that culture is starting to have a major impact on the way that people start to uh, are wanting businesses and brands to behave. That connect between what people are experiencing in media, from media services and from media solutions and media platforms and the way that they're talking and the way that they're behaving is now directly impacting what they want from brands and businesses. Um, and that means that businesses have to start listening to culture in new ways. I think the big message for me from, from this study is listen to culture, right? Really, really reflect on what's going on around your audiences. If you're going to be audience first, what are they being driven by? What are the themes that are happening? What's the context in which you're operating? What's the narrative structure? You know, what are the subjects that your audiences are engaging with? You know, and start to reflect that in the way that you behave, in the way that you service, in the context you set yourselves, in the natural environments that you put yourself in. Those are the sorts of things that I think are really, really potent and really powerful. And the most uh, meaningful brands are doing that, right? What we're seeing again from this study is that the most meaningful brands enormously outperform the, the, the average by significant percentages because they're able to sort of hit these hit these beats and hit these notes more quickly, more speedily. But what, again, I think this, the points that Seema are making, we're seeing lots and lots of aspects where people want to be treated and prioritized by brands. Um, we're seeing lots of points around um, brands need to make me feel positive. Uh, brands need to bring optimism into my life, partly because context, the context in which most people are living is not so good, right? They're living in crises. So they want, again, coming back to that um, divergence, they want brands to cheer them up, <laughs> not, not tell them that they're living in a, you know, in, a, in a negative situation. So there's a whole ton of different things that you can see, where, you know, going from that top meta narrative around culture and connecting to culture right through to how you sort of actually do make people's lives better and, and right down into functionality as well. I think that uh, one of the major things that we've seen that have changed, uh, you know, given this continuous sort of backdrop that just shifts every year a little bit, um, is that people are really wanting to have kind of go back to those more simpler back to basics kind of idea of, again, to what Mark was saying, bringing them joy, inspiring them with ideas ideas, um, new possibilities, the optimism, um, really bringing that back versus what we were seeing before, where it was a little bit more like, wow, the crisis and COVID and everything that was happening. So I think, again, brands responding very quickly to how quickly consumers are becoming more resilient is very important for brands to really just understand and just respond in turn. Thanks so much for that. I'm, I'm fascinated from what both of you are saying by this idea of, you know, brands being uh, lost on the rapids of, of culture. They're sort of on this raft and being taken somewhere. Uh, and the way of gaining control is coming back to those fundamentals. But talking about entertaining and bringing joy and, and, and really doing what you know, brands are, are great at. So let's turn to media. This feels like a good point to talk about media brands. So we'll talk about media brands specifically, what you found there, unpacking some of what Mark mentioned, and then we'll look at what it means for meaningful media. So what does the study tell us about media brands specifically? I think the study is telling us that the brands that are 
are high touch, have a high frequency, uh, allow people to engage with them, allow people to dialogue with them and connect with them on a regular basis are popping as really, really meaningful. Um, you know, and I think one of the things that really does strike us as interesting is that people are seeing value in utility, right? They're seeing value in in being useful and, and engaging with brands on a regular basis. And I think that's something that media brands have in their have a you know have a strength to that. Yeah, and to build on that, I think you know what we're seeing from a media the brands that really pop from a media standpoint really did meet some of those kind of daily utility aspects as well as um, really hit on and dialed up on that personal aspect that we've seen anyways um, that people are looking more for this year um, from brands. So we see from a personal perspective, the brands that really um, resonated and, you know, have had high on improving quality of life and really in the Meaningful Brands Index was, you know, WhatsApp, Netflix, um, Amazon, and YouTube. Um, And from a functional aspect, again, just kind of that daily utility was about Amazon, Netflix, and WhatsApp. So, you know, these brands are not only about utility, but also about what we were speaking about earlier, um, bringing that kind of joy, those personal kind of meaningful moments throughout the day um, that can really help to entertain as well as provide that functionality that people are looking for. No, I think I think just to just to um, build uh, a little more as well, that there because people are stressing about their economic situation, and that's universal across lots and lots of different markets. I think that. There is a new value equation being designed between brands that do make me happy, do bring joy into my life, and brands that I regularly interact with, you know, and have access to on a daily basis. There's a really strong correlation there between that. Those two aspects are meaningful. Um, and that's why I think we're seeing, you know, most of these significant media brands playing in the top 10. I think that that for me, the economics of it, I think people are seeing value in in positivity, optimism, entertainment. In the study, you're showing that there's this move towards uh, personal benefits. Um, I love this fo- this focus on utility. Um, frequency, I think, is a, is, is a really interesting insight. So how often are brands appearing in a kind of frictionless way or, or appearing on a daily basis to improve people's lives? What does that mean basically for, uh, for media scheduling, right? Is... And one of the things that I'm thinking about a lot at the moment is this tension between personalization and mass marketing. Um, As I occasionally pick up my copy of How Brands Grow, and then we come back to uh, Meta and Google pushing, you know, generative AI into ever more personalized ads, single experiences, individual personas that will talk to you directly in the brand's voice and create an incredibly personalized opinion, uh, personalized personalized almost uh, concierge right we're, we're starting to think about brands from that from a generative ai uh, experience and then at the same time hey kind of like don't quote me on this but sort of tv ads feel like they're back a bit um and are really effective when they're entertaining and uh you know doing that brand promise thing mark you were talking about of the business the brand what it does but also respecting everything else that's going on with consumers in this moment does it tell us how do we answer this 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 tension between personalization and mass marketing and what does it tell us about the way that we should be talking to and connecting with consumers as mark had mentioned obviously frequency utility um you know the daily brands that people do engage with they find meaningful there's also that 
attention span. And there's also the fine line of understanding the, the fatigue that people will also have from the too much frequency. So really be paying attention to the content that you are giving, the context that it's within, if there are available to actually receive whatever you're, the, the communication that you're trying to, or the media experience you're trying to build for them. Um, I think overall from like a, a media experience perspective, I think there's some basic principles that the study has can help to guide brands to really to consider to include within all of their communications and as they build these media experiences. Um, and if we think about from a fundamental standpoint, it's really about experiences that do have that inclusivity, that have that do empower and celebrate collective and individual. From a communication standpoint, it's really about continuing that transparency and honesty. I know that we continue to see that year on year, transparency, honesty, brand, people do not believe that brands are being transparent. Um, and you know, so they're, they are making these kind of decisions on which brands they do buy. So it's about continuing continuing that. And then just that tone of communication to being in line and having that audience first mindset of that optimism full of possibilities, joy. I'd like to build on that as well. I think um, for me, the essence of the media experience is the, the lesson from this, from this research is about tangibility. Okay. So tangibility, when I, when I talk about tangibility, I think we've got to understand what fundamental output or outcome we're trying to achieve right what what we're delivering and how the audience will tangibly experience that right will they take something away from this media experience that is meaningful to them right and meaningful can be a functional story right it can be about convenience can be about simplicity can be about ease all of those really basic fun functional elements we know are powerful, right? The study is telling us that's what consumers want. That's what people want. They want brands to make things easier, make things simpler, make things more personal, make things more convenient, right? Or is, is it about being really tuned in on what's Seema's been mentioning, this personal aspect, right? This, this thing about, all right, how do I move this person's life forward? How do I enhance, you know, their well-being? How do I make this moment sort of even more delightful? How do I, how does this experience enhance their their entertainment, the entertainment that I know they're looking for, right? Or is it about thinking about, you know, the potent force that we know people connect with around collective, around the, the sense of what a business and a brand need to do to help people move into uh, and take more, uh, more of an active decision about how they change their life for the better? So, so for me, tangibility sits across all three of these aspects, right? Uh, the study is telling us really, really clearly that people want to know what you're there for and what you're delivering to them, and they want to be able to do something with it. One more thing to, to add on to that. I think that from a, from a meaningful standpoint, I, it's not about being overcomplicated either. To Mark's point, it's about you know enhancing maybe or you know just how can we you know do something even small that's tangible and that people can actually feel. So again, it's not about overcomplicating. Um, it's it's about that tangibility. I love that bringing us back to the core of what we're trying to do in creating good media experience. So focus on on something that is tangible that can be seen, is grasped, is clear, not interruptive perhaps, um, or interruptive sometimes in the right way, but understanding personal, collective uh, and functional benefits to, to have that clear in, in what makes media experience for each of these audiences and where brands can build uh, great MX, great media experience. I think there's, there's something else as well, just to you know, round, round this out, about picking your moments. 
and and secret and for me synchronizing the i mean obviously message and media or or, or tangibility and, and media experience if you like uh, are you know can't be divorced if we're tr- if you're trying to deliver a collective message in the wrong sort of moment for someone it's just not it's just going to bounce off them you know if if you're if you're trying to deliver a functional message in a moment where I want to be entertained, it's just gonna it's just gonna get you know swiped. So so we have to be always always thinking about that moment, right? And, and be really really tuned in to make sure that the 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 moment is as meaningful, and that we've worked out that sequence between what it is we're trying to say and when we're trying to get to those that that individual and that audience. That that for me is a, a, a given. I I think that's that's super clear and it's such important insight because look you know i'm going to say this partly because i'm a hack right but but also because i, I think this is true what we see from the uh, a hack in the sense of um a shameless salesperson um what what we do see as we go through these reports is uh, all of this uh, the message the medium the cx the consumer experience is all an integral part of this of building a meaningful brand doing that together doing that not siloed but right through the way the brand is interacting uh, in the consumer's life is really powerful and ultimately how you can build meaningful brands and, and I, I you know I, I see that right it matters uh, the way that a brand talks to a person right from uh, the message the thing they're trying to communicate where it shows up the consumer experience the how good the app is um, how good you know their CRM is uh, the, the the tone of voice through that and and uh, how that's reflected in the media it, for me there's something super basic but also really fascinating which is meaningful brands are way more efficient right uh, they waste way less <laughs> um, you know in a, in a world where you know you've got you're, you're underwater in terms of in terms of impacts and click-through rates and those sorts of metrics you know where we, we just can't persist with that sort of behavior you know efficiency is going to be a real a byproduct right that we're going to have to work work on and and closing down waste and closing down inefficiency right and just you know reach as a byproduct of just you know the ability to get in front of people I, for me, that's where meaningful really is a real, a real, a really fascinating aspect because I think it it future proofs the strategic design of your marketing. Uh, I think it, you know, if you start to bake me meaningful in, you can go, you know what, my my messaging will be more effective and more efficient. My my comms will have a longer shelf life. Um, I will I will build more consistent and deeper relationships. I can drive out. Now, all these other aspects uh, of why meaningful brands are, are power, more potent and more powerful can be unlocked. It's really fascinating because we find that, and this is a good pivot into uh, your fast five, I hope you're ready for that, uh, that we find when we, we talk about people's meaningful media that they're really constrained for attention. Like despite the fact that the attention economy seems to be producing more and more ad slots, more and more ways supposedly to engage, if you look at busy consumers' lives, they're really rationed for time. And actually, in terms of the ability to reach them, so that is constrained. That is constrained by the the, the nature of um, their lives and time. So it really... The, well, what your study does and the way you're articulating, Mark, it really helps us solve for that and to your point, future-proof uh, the way that brands are going to communicate through media and their media experience. I just wanted to add that I think is really cool about this study and I think it's kind of actionable 
kind of steps for our network, for teams, is that we will be able, with this kind of interconnected data with YouGov, we will not only be able to understand kind of this personal, collective, functional way, um, you know, the, how consumers feel about the brand and how to engage with them, but we'll get we'll be able to get more granular with actually the bespoke audiences and how to pinpoint those meaningful moments that uh, Mark talked about and I, I mentioned as well about how to authentically engage with them for that specific audience um, across the three pillars and within the additional like layers of data points that we get from the YouGov um, profiles, YouGov brand index, all of those layers really help us get to that, the meat of everything. And then also just pinpoint those moments where we truly can make a difference um, and create those uh, media experiences. Love that. Thank you. Let's do the Meaningful Media Fast Five. Mark, we'll start with you. Are you ready? It's quick fire, quick round. I'm going to ask you the question and then you can give me your answer and you can talk about it as little or as much as you like. Okay, go on then. Right, <laughs> let's go. So what's your Meaningful Media right now? Uh, my Meaningful Media right now is Now TV because I am just dialing into Succession, the third, the, the final series. Don't spoil it for him, Seema. I won't no. spoil it either. Please don't tell me anything. I haven't seen it. <laughs> What's the media you start your day with? Uh, radio, um, six music. Ah, okay. And linear radio, you on the, or is it on the... Uh, no, so, so it's app-driven, yeah. yeah. Ah, BBC, okay, so BBC Sounds. Six music, though. I, and I'll tell you this, because I need to be cheered up in the morning. Uh, don't we all? <laughs> what media do you turn to when you're looking to get inspired? Uh, that would have to be Audible. It's just a go-to. I love audiobooks because I can just do it whilst I do something else. To your point about being time crunched, hundred uh, percent. Any podcasts in there, or just just the uh, the audiobooks themselves? Uh, Jim Stengel CMO podcast. Oh, I love Jim go. Stengel. Plug, plug for that, uh, Jim. Come on the pod. So, <laughs> what's your media guilty pleasure? Uh, oh my goodness me! My daughters got me into Below Decks on Netflix, which is dreadful but hugely funny and very very funny very engaging in the evening um okay but uh, we we have had below decks before so i won't i will spare your blushes and not ask you to unpack uh, what it is <laughs> couldn't even start to work out what it is while i watch but that, that's um, that's some very very funny uh, very fun um dad and daughter um shared watching okay so th- this is the challenging one you can have one media platform for the rest of your life that's it which one is it and why um, you know what? I'm a Brit, so I'm going to go BBC Sounds. And I, the reason is, it's this, it's just so eclectic, so diverse. It's just got so much depth to it. I mean, I just, I, no way I can get around it. It's, it's a feature of my life. Real quickly, can you just tell us what BBC Sounds is for our international listeners? Okay, so BBC, as you know, is a, a national um, news and entertainment provider. Um, it's a publicly funded um news and entertainment um, service and they have an app now and a platform called bbc sounds uh, where all their content past present uh, is is hosted so you get the opportunity to surf and engage with whatever you want and it's everything from attenborough to a track wow okay so we're sending you off to your desert island with with bbc sounds plenty to keep you keep you occupied yeah definitely Thank you, Mark. That was awesome. Seema, we'll come to you now. Are you ready for your Meaningful Media Fast Five? I am, but I'm a bit of an analog girl, so I don't think you're going to get a lot from me. But I, I will. Go. No, I love that. That's perfect. So what's your Meaningful Media right now? 
I would have to say it's Ted Lasso tonight. Today is the final episode of the last season. So I'm all about Ted Lasso at the moment. Nice. What's the media you start your day with? I would say Pandora. It's not Spotify, but Pandora because I run in the mornings and that's just my go-to when I'm running. Um, Can I ask why uh, Pandora and not Spotify or Apple Music or something else? Yeah, I think I know that Spotify is extremely popular and I think you can make playlists and you can do all sorts of things. I, I like to just be able to input a song and then the playlist just comes out like songs that sound like or you might like this instead of having to put like that, that that creating a playlist reminds me of having making mixtapes when I was a teenager. And that just oh, sounds like a nice. Lot of work. <laughs> sounds like a lot of work, but that, that took a lot of time when I was younger. <laughs> what media do you turn to when you are looking to get inspired? So um, I would say I technically don't go to media to get inspired, but if I had to, it would be music again. Um, And I just would have to, it's not a nothing visual, but it would be Pandora. What's your media guilty pleasure? Daily Mail. (laughs) And not necessarily just for the gossip, but I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy reading people's comments on articles based on headlines and what the article's saying and just understanding how people are consuming news, whether it's fun, gossipy news, or I don't know if it's real news, fake news or whatever, but I really enjoy seeing people's reactions to to Daily Mail. Me too. Um, I've got, um, these days, my guilty pleasure is the New York Post, which I think is probably... Uh, Yes, I used to do that. Yes. But coming to that just really quickly, that below the line thing, I find that fascinating and there's a separate podcast and maybe some research that you and I can do at some point in the future on that because I would absolutely love seeing it. what's going on below the line is just really, really interesting. I agree. And you can really see how, how people are, and it's not even, again, in my line of work, obviously I'm doing, I'm doing surveys and things like that. This is just people without any biases. They're putting out their opinions. So it's yeah, such a yeah, cool yeah. way to yeah, really yeah. learn about people and how they think and the different sides. And I don't know, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. <laughs> Me too. And I find it almost more of a public, they're, they're like a series of little public squares, but they're more of a public yes. square than Twitter, I think, especially these days. Twitter tends to be this sort of uh, elite selection in, in one way or the other. So yeah, I find it really interesting just to say, what are people saying below the line? It's yes. it's like a frictionless, um, you and I are probably both old enough to remember letters being written to the editor of papers, but it's a yes. sort of, yeah, it's sort of a frictionless way of doing that in real time. And I just find it fascinating. You too. I could do it all day. <laughs> all right. We'll do, we'll do another podcast called below the line, but, um, let's turn to the final one. You hmm. have one media platform for the rest of your life. So this is, it might sound odd, um, but I would say it's an app, but it's the weather app, weatherchannel.com. <laughs> and the reason is... <laughs> okay, let's let's unpack this. Okay, so the reason is, first of all, weather. I've been fascinated by weather for my whole life. If I could have a map app, I would. But I like to look at weather around the globe, like in the morning. So every place I've lived, I like to see the weather. I like to see if it's nighttime in a place. You know, it might be snowing somewhere where it's like super hot in Florida. I love to know how different people are waking up in the morning and just the different weathers and how big the world is. It's just that whole idea of maps and weather. And I just, I love it. Amazing. That was awesome. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks ever so much, guys. Thank you so much. That's a great place to finish. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for on today's episode. A big thanks to my fantastic guest for joining me and thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'd love to hear from you and your thoughts on all things meaningful media, the media that matters. Drop us a mail at podcast at That's podcast at 
please do subscribe, like, and share the Meaningful Media podcast on your preferred platform so you don't miss any of our episodes. And you can follow us on our socials, all addresses in the show notes. Once again, thanks. Join me, Ben Downing, soon for more perspectives on Meaningful Media.